John Wesley, you might have heard of him, uh, was, he was on a ship crossing the Atlantic Ocean uh, when some winds blew up, some very strong uh, winds, and he was uh, in his cabin in the boat reading a book uh, when this happened, and, and the ship was starting to be tossed from side to side and being blown off course. And uh, so what he did, uh, rather than panicking, was to pray. And so one of his colleagues was there and, and uh, heard his prayer and actually recorded it. Recorded it, so we have it today, we can read it. And so this is the prayer that uh, John Wesley prayed in the middle of the Atlantic on a ship in the middle of a storm. He prayed this, Almighty and everlasting God, you have sway over everything, and all things serve the purpose of your will. You hold the winds in your fists and sit upon the water floods and reign a king forever. Command these winds and these waves that they obey you and take us speedily and safely to the haven where we would go. As soon as he had fin finished his prayer, he got up, took his book, went back to his cabin, and began to read again. So as his companion who uh, saw him coming back to the cabin and went up onto the deck again and looked out, and the seas were calm. The winds had stopped. Uh, but Wesley said nothing about it. He didn't remark about it. Say, hey, what a great prayer I prayed, that uh, the winds stopped and uh, the waves uh, were silenced. Uh, he said, uh, Clark wrote afterwards, so fully did he expect to be heard that he took it for granted that he was heard. No big deal. <laughs> Pray about the wind and the waves and they stop. But a lot of us, I think, feel a little bit uh, uncomfortable with those kinds of prayers or with boldness in prayer uh, in general because we kind of, you know, when we come to prayer, prayer often we come with hushed tones, with quiet voice, uh, humbly, which is a good thing, and we have a little chat with God. And, uh, but in the Scriptures, oftentimes you see pictures of people who are just agonizing with God, wrestling with Him in prayer, almost like they're pounding on God's door trying to get His attention. And is it okay to do that? Seems to be something that's the experience of some of God's people through the ages. But God really has invited us to pray boldly. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive His mercy and to find grace to help us in times of need. So that's what the next three Sundays are about, learning how to pray bold prayers, dangerous prayers, you may call them. So we're going to pray three prayers, including this morning, and uh, they're not easy. None of them are easy. They're challenging. They're not safe prayers. Uh, they're really, they are dangerous prayers in a good way, because I think some of us could, could stand to pray a little more bold prayers. Our prayers are often too safe. We pray for God to bless us. We pray for comfort and safety on the roads. We pray uh, in thanksgiving for our meals. We pray for jobs and things like that. All good prayers, but not always very bold. They're safe prayers. These aren't safe prayers. So we want to arm you with uh, these prayers that will help you and help God to kind of move us a little bit as individuals as we, as we follow Him out of our comfort zone. So next week, uh, we're going to pray a very uh, dangerous prayer, probably one that you may not want to pray, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. And the prayer is, break me. What's that? <laughs> yes, come anyway. <laughs> uh, 
So the prayer is, break me, God. If you want to pray, that's probably one of the most uh, uncomfortable, dangerous prayer, because on the other side of brokenness, oftentimes in Scripture, is intimacy with God. But nobody wants to pray that. Nobody wants to ask for that. The, the third week, we'll talk about something, the prayer that will, could very well change the whole direction of your life, and that prayer is, send me. In other words, instead of uh, saying to God, you know, I have a good idea what you should do in my life. Here's what I want to do, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Rather than that, we're saying, God, uh, here's my life. Do with it what you want to do. Send me where you want to send me. I'm available to you. Send me. So those are tough prayers to pray. So we're starting with this one, a a prayer from Psalm 139. Uh, that uh, the passage that Reuben read a minute ago. So let's just pray and we'll start into this. Father, we pray that you would teach us how to pray boldly. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word, by your Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts, not only to hear, but to receive what you have for us. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, We've read the whole passage, and I'll be touching lightly on all of it, not necessarily always quoting the verses in there, but we're going to focus on the last two verses of Psalm 139, which are verses 23 and 24. So, Kevin, if you'd put that, I think it's the last slide there, put that up on the screen. We may use that a few times along the way. So here's the the prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Can we say that together? Can we pray it together? Let's, let's say it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So as we walk through that short prayer, we're going to break it down into four subpoints. I actually have four points. Two weeks in a row, actually. I was just recognized this morning. Two weeks in a row that I had, I had five points last week, four points this week. Usually my sermons are pointless, but, um, <laughs> but the, these last two weeks I've been going back to the old, you know, four-point sermons. Some of you like that. It, it doesn't fit my style as well, but we'll, we'll try it. Go away from my pointless sermons. So here, here we go. There's four sub-points to this little prayer, and the first one is this, search my heart, and that's in the first part of verse 23. And so that's the thing that David prays. He prays, search my heart. Uh, the psalm starts with that idea, and it ends with that idea, where he says, God, you've examined me. You have searched me already, and I'm going to pray this. I want you to search my heart, O oh God. Know my heart. And if you read this psalm and you reflect on it, there's a few things that you find out about God. Uh, one of the things, you, to use a big churchy word, is that God is omniscient, which is just a churchy way of saying that uh, he knows everything. God knows everything. Every detail of our lives is known to him. And so David, as he writes this prayer, this psalm, he says, there's, there's nothing in my life that's hidden from you. Uh, right down to the kind of the fleeting thought, thoughts that are here and then they're gone, or the things that I thought about that I should say but I never spoke, those things are all known to you. And so David says, you know it all anyway, but I'm going to invite your scrutiny on my life. The, the message translation or paraphrase, I like the way that they put those verses. It says, investigate my life, O God. 
Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. So the idea is it's kind of like David is in the courtroom, the courtroom of God Almighty, and he's pleading his case, and he's feeling under pressure from his enemies, whether it's uh, fear of violence or uh, struggling with the things that people say about him. And he's pleading his innocence before the judge, who is God Almighty. And he says, I don't have anything to hide. And my life is open to you, and I welcome your investigation. Search my heart. So some of you, if you think about that, that phrase of the prayer, search me, you might ask, now why should I ask God to search me? Well, he already knows it, right? He, everything's open to him. There's nothing hidden to him. Uh, and I've got a good heart. You know, you've got a good heart. We've all got good hearts. We're all good people. We're all nice people. Um, but... There's, there's a verse, a miser- there's some of the verses in the scripture that are really miserable. Here's one of them. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Yeah, that's their heart, not my heart. My heart's not like that. We don't even understand our... I think the point is we don't even understand our own hearts. We think we do. We don't fully understand our own heart. And why we do the things that we do or say the things that we say or don't do the things that we don't do. We don't always, we don't really to the depths of them understand our hearts. And we have, you and I, sorry to tell you, but we have a capacity to to deceive ourselves, to tell ourselves lies and believe them. We have that capacity. And often the most common lies that we tell, and we all lie. I, I don't know if there's anybody in this room that's never told a lie. But the most common lies that we tell are the lies that we tell ourselves because our hearts are deceitful. The passage goes on in Jeremiah and says that I, the Lord, search all hearts and I examine secret motives. So he already does it. But David is just making this, you know, bringing this forward, say, God, search my heart. Last week we, we looked at Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, we're talking about the path to wisdom, the journey to wisdom. And one of the steps on that pathway was that we need to know ourselves. We need to know ourselves. And we get ourselves into trouble sometimes when we, in that passage, it talks about leaning on our own understanding, where we think we know ourselves really well, better than anyone else, maybe even better than God, and we lean on our own understanding. And the scriptures say, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in God. Seek His will and everything. Uh, because we often, we miss things. We have the ability to de- deceive ourselves. We think of ourselves either more highly than we should or more lowly than we should. But God knows us better than we even know ourselves. And He knows that we have that ability to deceive ourselves. And so we really need Him to search our hearts. Because if we don't want to lie to ourselves. We don't want to deceive ourselves. And we don't want to be in denial either very easy for us to be in denial, to say, I'm okay. I've got it all sorted. I I don't have a problem. I'm not proud. Um, I'm not fearful. I'm not resentful. I'm not a gossip. I'm not addicted. I'm not lustful. I'm not materialistic, and on and on it goes, right? We have the ability to live in denial. Other people have those, those issues, right, but not me. And the heart is deceitful above all things. And we need to be able to pray, and we need to pray this really dangerous prayer and say, 
Search my heart, God. Show me what is in there. And when you pray that, God is going to show you things. And uh, some of the times he will show you things that aren't too pretty, right? That you don't want to see. That you'd rather kind of keep hidden in the background, even hidden to yourself. And it's not that God wants to be cruel and to throw those things in your face. It's that he wants to bring a deeper intimacy into your life as the Holy Spirit transforms you and conforms you to the image of Christ. But it's hard to pray. Search my heart. It's hard to say those words, especially for nice people like you, right? Do you really need to pray that? Well, I do. I really need to pray that. I think you do too. It's a dangerous prayer, but it's one that can bring us much closer to God. So that's number one. Uh, Search me. Search. Search my heart. The second one is reveal my fears, again in verse 23. What would it be like if you had absolutely no fear in your life. You did not fear anything. Nothing at all. Never did. There, is, there are a few people, apparently, in the world uh, who have absolutely no fear. In fact, their brain, the part of their brain that, uh, that causes fear as a response to stimulus does not work. There's only about 400 of them, apparently. And uh, no, this is real. It really is. And so there was a study done in the University of Southern California by a um, professor by the name of Antonio Damasio, and he uh, treated a woman. They don't give her name because there's all sorts of issues, I guess, that would come up if, you, if people found out about a person who has absolutely no fear of anything. And so they just call her SM, and she's, all through her life she has never feared anything because of something in her brain. There's a disease, there's a name for it, and 400 other people have that. And so she is incapable of experiencing fear. What would it like, be like to literally not be able to fear? Well, in some cases, it would be, da- be dangerous, <laughs> right? Because fear has a good purpose in our life sometimes in that it can prevent us, it can protect us from things that could harm us. But sometimes fear can keep us also from trusting God. And what would it be like if you were growing in your ability to trust God, literally, that you didn't feel that fear anymore? David says, search my heart to begin with. And then he prays, essentially, as you're searching my heart, show me the things that I'm afraid of. Reveal my fears. In verse 23, search my heart, O God, and know, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So what is it? that makes you anxious? not asking for you to respond out loud, but what is it that makes you anxious? Sometimes we don't even acknowledge that. We just think, well, everybody has to worry. Everybody's anxious about those things. What makes you afraid? What makes you anxious? You're maybe afraid of losing your do- a job, afraid of being alone, afraid of your marriage falling apart, afraid of the future, of the unknown, afraid of failure, afraid of success afraid of losing something or someone. And uh, why does it matter? Why do we need to ask God to show us our anxious thoughts? Because sometimes I think the truth is that it could be that what we fear most reveals where we trust God the least. And so we pray, God, reveal my fears. Test me, God, and show me where my anxious thoughts fall. 
So my challenge to you is to pray that prayer, to ask God to test you and reveal those anxious thoughts in your life. And, and it matters because sometimes it reveals the, the areas where you need to trust God. And suddenly you recognize that the root, you begin to think about those things and pray about those things and God reveals the root of that fear. And it can be a significant moment of transformation. It can be a moment where you begin to take a step of faith in trusting him and tackling that fear head on. It may be a moment where you recognize that those thoughts of fears and those anxious things that keep running through your mind over and over and over again have been binding you. They're keeping you from living that full and meaningful life that God promised for you to have. And so you need to moment by moment begin to take those thoughts captive to make them obey God's word. And to remind yourself that perfect love casts out all fear. And that God has not given you and me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And some of you may need some help with that. Some of you may need to see, to have someone come alongside you in that, to pray with you and for you and help you to recognize those areas. So as we pray, we pray, search me, we pray, reveal my anxious thoughts. And we do that, and David did that, and he was able and felt free to do that because he was growing in his knowledge of this God who is safe to come and to, and to pray those prayers too. A God of justice, a God of freedom, a God of mercy, and a God of steadfast love. Because it's frightening to pray like that. We feel vulnerable when we do that, when we admit those things. But God knows it anyway. He already knows those thoughts. He already knows those things that abound us. And when the knower is God, the vulnerability is worth it. And so David prays to this ever-present, always faithful God. And he knows that wherever he goes, whatever he finds himself in, and whatever trial and opposition he might face, God is already there. And so there's no point running away, no point trying to hide from him, that's useless. And rather than running away, he comes straight to God and says, God, reveal my fears. You're here. Show me the ways that I'm bound and controlled by it. You know, Psalm 139, I have over the years often uh, read that particular psalm, the whole thing, other than a couple of verses in there, which I'll talk about a little later. I usually leave them out. But I've often uh, read this whole psalm in hospitals, often with people who are getting close to death. And it's a very comforting psalm. It reminds us of God's goodness from beginning to end in our lives. And it often touches people's lives. I think that psalm works equally well in a, in a room, a palliative care room or a birthing room. From beginning to end, God is with us. He's always present. And throughout that whole journey from beginning to end, as we trust him, we can ask him, search me, reveal my fears. And then the third one is uncover my sins. Psalm 139, 24. He's all-knowing. God is all-knowing. He's everywhere present. But he's also all-powerful. The big word for that is omnipotent. And so the, the writer of the psalm, David, is, he's just absolutely awestruck by the power of God. He's limitless the ways that that power has been displayed and experienced in his life from beginning 
to end. From the very moment that he, David, and all of us was conceived, God knew us. To the very end of our days, to the very last breath that we breathe, God was there. He knows us from beginning to end. He's seen us. Our whole life, your whole life, is an open book to him. The highs and the lows and everything in between. The times when we have been faithful to his calling, when we've followed close to him, and the times when we've wandered away. And yet David is not afraid to pray and say, uncover my sins. And, and it's not that God doesn't know. It's not, he's not praying this so that for the benefit of God, because God's not aware of these things, but for his own benefit. He doesn't want to be ignorant of those things in his life, and he doesn't want to deceive himself. So this can get pretty uncomfortable at times when we ask God to uncover our sins, but that's what David prays. That's what I'm encouraging you to pray. It takes courage to do that, to open up our hearts and lay our hearts bare and say, God, show me what's there. If there's anything in my life that's inconsistent with your character, with your truth, show me those things. If there's anything in my life that is displeasing to you, if there's any offensive way in me, that's the word that's used in some of the translations, if there's any offensive way, that it's really literally the word is, uh, has to do with idolatry. If there's any way in my life that I'm trusting anything else rather than you, show me that. Show me that. I want to see it. I want to know it. And I don't know if you've ever noticed it. Sometimes it's really looking in the mirror or examining ourselves. It's hard sometimes to see ourselves, to see our sins. It's often easier to see someone else's sins. Uh, those things seem very clear to us their faults and their sins, but ours not as much. And sometimes in our weak moments, we accuse other people of the very sins that we're guilty of, and we excuse our own and we accuse them of theirs. And uh, when we get accused or criticized for the things that we've done, we get defensive. It's easy to see others' sin. Our hearts are deceitful above all things, Jeremiah said. And the most common lies often are the ones we tell ourselves. So that's why it takes courage to say, search me, oh God, test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. But this can be a game changer for you and for me to give God permission, in a sense, to point out those sins and to allow him to change us. This ever-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, but at the same time loving and merciful God so why would we hide them? Why would we try to keep our sins covered up from getting, why would we try, why would we stop ourselves from getting honest with God? We can't keep up appearances. Sometimes we, we do that, all of us, I think all of us do that with other people. We can't do that with God. We can't fool Him. But I think there's great freedom. There is great freedom and there's great release in being totally open with Him and revealing our hearts and our failings. I want to do just a quick word. As Reuben read that scripture, there's two verses that just are a little harsh. I don't know if you noticed them. They, when I read that Psalm 139, I, I think, if I could edit this, it's not a good idea to edit the Bible, and I don't have the right to do that, by the way. But if I could edit this Psalm, I would take these two out. And when I'm reading this at someone, the foot of someone's bed, when they're you know, just at the verge of death, I don't generally read them. This is my confession. Uh, and here they are, near the end. He's talking about his enemies. 
right? And uh, he hates them, he says. Uh, and he, he, he wants them to be punished. Uh, yeah, he hates them with a total hatred, the New Living Translation says. Uh, the ones that are your enemies are my enemies. And he says, why don't, you know, I despise them, absolutely despise them. He wants the, God to do them in, right? How'd you like to pray that prayer for your enemies? Um, it seems a little out of place in some ways. I, you know, it's such a, a wonderful psalm, and then you've got that stuck in to, you know, right near the end of it. I don't know if I can completely understand that, but prayer gets messy. It, you know, if it's honest prayer, if it's genuine prayer, it can get messy at times. So obviously, David was feeling under pressure and persecuted and, and attacked, and so he can't hide that either. And, and it's ugly, I think. You know, I kind of wonder, how does that fit in with Jesus' uh, words in the Sermon on the Mount about loving your enemy? <laughs> and uh, David's cursing them, right? He wants them done in. He hates them. Uh, I'm not sure how you put those two things together, but I think David is being honest. This is what's on his heart. Psalms are very honest, the good, bad, and the ugly. And so I think our prayers could use a little more honesty sometimes. This is what I feel. This is what I would want. You know, God, if you could just do that, do something with that person, uh, I would really appreciate that. Uh, but maybe it makes sense that right after that, you've got this, this prayer of search my heart, uncover my sins, reveal my fears. If, if there's something in me that's offensive, lead me on the way everlasting. You know, okay, God, I prayed this. I've, I've unloaded my hatred on, on, on these people. But look at my heart. You know, if there's something in me that you need to correct, even in that prayer, please do. That's my thought on that. Take it for what it is. Uh, but um, just to remind yourself that prayer isn't always, you know, it's, it sometimes gets messy if you're honest. And uh, we have, you have, I have uh, the ability to deceive ourselves, even in prayer. <laughs> we can, and so, God, look at my heart. Do you take, you know, what, what is according to your will? That's what I want, most of all, more than anything else. So this third one about uncovering, I'm going to give you three, quickly, three quick questions that you can ask yourselves that will help uncover some of these things in prayer. The first one is, what are other people trying to tell me? So sometimes God, often God will use other people in your life. So if you have several people who care about you, that's a good thing to think about. They care, actually want the best for you. And they're speaking into your life and saying, you know, I'm really concerned about you in this area. If you have good, if you have good enough friends that they will actually say that to you, pay attention to it. Pay attention to it and take it to God and see if that's something that God's wanting to uncover. Uh, the second one is, have, what have I been rationalizing in my life for a long time? Uh, what do I like to in, in, in cure, you know, excuse? Like, yeah, I know that's not right. I know I shouldn't do that. I know I shouldn't act that way. But, <laughs> and then you, the rationalizations come. What do you tend to rationalize in your life? Does God want to uncover those kinds of things? Third one is, when am I most defensive? You know, what are the things that people can say to me that I just react immediately with defensiveness and I dig in my heels and I excuse myself and I will not listen? I, I confessed last week about my defensiveness in, in uh, one of my discussions with, discussion with Vera that it was, you know, I was defensive because she said, I'm, you're grumpy, aren't you? And I did not like that at all. And I denied it. 
I denied it several times. Uh, but it was true. I was. And so when uh, those things come up, uh, don't reject it, don't deny it, receive it, and allow God to change you. Uncover my sin. It, it's, a, it's a hard prayer to pray. It takes courage. But as we do that, God has the ability and the right to change us and to transform us from the inside out and to, to receive, to give us that grace and mercy and forgiveness that we need. Last one, the fourth one is lead me, Psalm 139, 24. David, at the end of his prayer, these dangerous prayers, says, lead me, lead me in the way everlasting. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So he's already uh, given God, in a sense, permission to just, you know, open up his heart and see what's in there, uncover his sin, reveal the things, the fears that are holding him back. And then he says, as you do that work, I want you to lead me in a new way. I want you to lead me in the way everlasting. I'm not going to make excuses for the things that I've done. I'm not going to be defensive or point at somebody else. It's their fault. I'm just going to allow you to do the work that you want to do in my life. And the most important thing that I want you to do is to lead me in the way everlasting. It's a prayer that can absolutely transform our, our, our life. Uh, but sometimes we resist. We, you know, this is a prayer for God's leadership in our lives. Sometimes you and I resist God's leadership. We're like the, you know, the three-year-old or four-year-old who says, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. Well, in, in their development, that's a good thing to say sometimes because they have to learn that independence. But sometimes as adults, we're still saying that I can do it myself. God, I'm going to do it. I can handle it. Don't tell me what to do. Uh, we resent God's leadership, but we need his leadership. When we lean on our own understanding, when we lean on our own will, when we do it our way, we get ourselves in trouble. Sometimes that comes right down to our pride. And so the scriptures in 1 Peter verse 5, verse 6 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So we can't do this ourselves. This is all of this, all of these prayers, all four parts of this little prayer will lead us into a recognition of how deeply we need God, how much, how, how weak we are, how much of his power we need. Last week in Proverbs 24, or Proverbs 3, we read that prayer. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding or your own good works or whatever it might be. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Another way of saying the everlasting life, the everlasting way. And this is the heart of prayer. We need to hear it. We need to receive his forgiveness. We need his grace and we need his, his leadership in our lives. I'm going to uh, pray with you and then I'm going to give you about five minutes. I'd like you to just reflect together on what we've said and on the scripture. And uh, there's going to be three or two questions actually up on the screen as a kind of a debrief after this. Uh, so, here's the prayer one more time. Uh, Kevin, could you put that up on the screen, please? Search me, O God. So, let's pray it again, together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Father, teach us uh, what you want us to hear this morning, Lord. Help that to stick with us and help us to respond in faith, following you, allowing you, Lord God, to lead us in this prayer through this week. And uh, Father, you remind us often 
to allow you to search us, to reveal our fears, to uncover our sins, and to lead us. So, Father, come and work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.